Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 1025. The game, good to have you in here on a Tuesday edition of the show. Nick Braden, D-Mace, and Marquise with you. Our buddy Chris Mason, Preds TV analyst, will join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. Looking forward to that. The big finish coming up at 945. Uh, but we saw this. Um, how about this from ESPN's Adam Rittenberg, uh, who does a pretty good job covering college football, national reporter around the country. And he put together uh, five coaches that are on the hot seat in college football. Uh, Rutgers recently just fired their mm-hmm. head coach after a 1-3 and three start. And a handful of others that he puts on this list. Chris Ash. Chris Ash. He gone. And um, he's got Jeremy Pruitt on there. One and three this season, six and ten overall, signed through two thousand twenty three, three point eight million dollar annually salary, and he goes on, and you can read it on ESPN dot com and ESPN plus, but he puts Pruitt in the same category as guys like Lovey Smith at Illinois, Clay Helton at USC, and Willie Taggart at Florida State. Is he wrong? Uh, yes, um, he's not wrong about the Willie Taggart comp. Th- those guys are both, y- y- you know five games in, four games into their second season at premier institutions that expect to win at a high level. Um, So those two guys are, I think, in separate categories. Also, huge buyouts for both of them. You know, Lovey Smith does not – they don't expect to win championships at Illinois. Um, He's been there longer. Um, So I would not put him on that same category. Now, what was interesting was Pete Thamel last week, um, I believe of Yahoo, absolutely eviscerated – Jeremy Pruitt, Philip Fulmer in Tennessee in his column where he says the joke going around SEC circles right now behind closed doors is the over-under on when Philip Fulmer stabs Jeremy Pruitt in the back and takes the job. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily agree with everything Pete Thamel wrote in that piece, but it is very well sourced. He has got connections in the SEC. He's a very well-connected writer. Um, again, I don't agree with everything he wrote in that mm-hmm. story. I don't think that Jeremy Pruitt is in danger of being fired. But would you be surprised if he got fired? Shocked, I'd be shocked. I I think this time Toward next the end of the year, season? even at the end of the year, this time next year, mm-hmm. not shocked at all. So at, it would take like point. a one and three start in twenty twenty. Yes. Okay. That to me, again, unless they go one and eleven, right, mm-hmm. or two and ten, you know, I I still don't even think you make the move on two and. Where's 10. their win in the SEC though? I, I mean, I listen now. Right now, I think they they might be better than Vanderbilt, and that's. Bad, but nah, I don't even think they're better than Vandy. Okay, Vandy, 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 let's play this out. Very good. Let's say they have two more wins, and it's Vandy and UAB, and they're three and nine, and they're three and nine. The worst season in the history of Tennessee football. He's got to go. Is what it is. They're not going to fire him. It's not going to happen. It's not long enough to know. Now, listen, you, you may have a preconceived notion. Like I didn't think he was a great hire, so I obviously don't think he should keep his job. And I, don't, you know, whatever at, at that point of the. But I still don't know if that's. I'm very conservative when it comes to firing coaches. I think you need to give them time. Even if you don't like the hire, you got to give your guy time to sort of prove or disprove whether or not he's capable. Give him a full recruiting cycle. Let him build a roster, right? I think that's the smart approach, even if it means losing. Um, Again, Thamel's article, very well sourced, behind the scenes in the SEC, everyone else is using this on the recruiting trail, that Philip Fulmer, he got the job in 92 by stabbing somebody in the back. He sort of got the job as the AD by stabbing somebody in the back. This is what Philip Fulmer does. When is he going to take over for Jeremy Pruitt? He's an habitual backstabber. And is that going to, I certainly don't think it's going to happen this year. But I think next year, they're 1-4 and four next year to start the season. And Jeremy Pruitt's coming off a 3-9 and nine or even 4-8 and eight season this year. You have a right to make a move <laughs> next year. I don't think okay. this year's the right year to do it. If that is indeed the case... 
that, you know, you end up firing Jeremy Pruitt, let's just say next year, uh, middle of the season next year, he starts off one and four or starts off 0 and three, all depends on who they have on their schedule. Um, and we can take a look at that. Um, let's just say he starts off one and three, one and four. You fire him, you know, with seven games left, I don't know, somewhere around there. Um, how long then does it take to 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 turn this program around? Because this would have been two coaches within the last, you know, what, four years, five years, somewhere around there. Well, if you get the right guy, instantaneously, right? I don't think it would be instantaneous. Well, two years. So, but see, that's a great that's a great discussion though, because when you look at programs that have the resources, the money, the ability to recruit that Tennessee does, and they are in the the select, you know, top eighteen programs in America that have all of the things you need to to win championships, it doesn't take long. Georgia now Georgia was in much better shape than Tennessee when Mark Rick left it. I get all of that. But they had the players, though. But Urban Meyer stepped in and won a championship in year two. Saban stepped in and won a championship and in, 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 went to the SEC title game in year two. He did the same thing at LSU in like three but years. But you're talking iconic coaches. I, I, I agree. Again, Kirby Smart, not an iconic coach yeah. when he was hired. But national, he had the dudes. National title game in year two. But he I, had the dudes. I get it. Urban Meyer goes to Ohio State undefeated. Like I, I just mm-hmm. It doesn't take long at the premier programs to turn it around. Mm-hmm. If, if, you're a good, if you're the guy, right? If you're the guy... It doesn't. Dan Mullen, ten wins, year one at Florida. Took a took a team that under Jim McElwain was a dumpster fire. Right? Mm-hmm. We don't think he's got the players. But if you, uh, if, you wins, if you decide to pull the plug on Pruitt earlier than everybody anticipates, so let's say at some point this season or at the end of this season, I don't think you can sell that to Tennessee fans. If you go the wheel the Will Healy route, uh, who's the guy that just went from Troy to um, Neil Brown? Neil Brown. I don't think you can go that route. Because then that looks like a panic desperation move. You're going to have to get a splash hire. See, but I, right? but, but, no, but so, so this is this raises another good point. I don't. And I'm not. I'm not like demoralizing what those guys have sure. done. I think Will Healy could be a really good coach. I don't know if that sells to your your, I, your base. And 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 I, you, you raise a great point. Selling to the base should not be a consideration. That's what got you. This selling situation. to the base <laughs> is the problem with hiring coaches. When you sell a guy to win the press conference, you end up with Rick Neuheisel at UCLA. I love Rick. You know, I know the guy, but like, oh, he's a he's a quarterback who played at UCLA. Let's well, he's a good guitar. He's a he's a he's a UCLA mm-hmm. guy. Like winning the press conference is the you should not care about winning the press conference. You should hire a great football coach. And if that guy happens to be somebody no one's ever heard of and coaches at Charlotte, then that should be the answer. But you know who you know what Philip Former has no experience doing hiring football coaches. Mm-hmm. And there are people that make tons of money that have been in the industry of hiring football coaches for decades that they passed over because the boosters wanted Philip Fulmer in charge. And you know, whether it's Charlie Anderson or Thunder Thornton or whatever, they all wanted Pruitt and they all wanted Fulmer and they all wanted these guys. I still have no faith in the people that are making decisions at Tennessee to get out of the way and let good smart people make decisions. But let me just they, throw, they can't get out of their own way. Let me just throw a splash name. And this is just a total fantasy hypothetical situation. But if Philip Fulmer called Bob Stoops today and Bob Stoops says, yeah, I'd be interested in the job. Hell yeah. Wouldn't you whack Jeremy Pruitt immediately yes. for Bob Stoops? Mm-hmm. Yesterday. Yes, yeah. 100%. No questions asked. That now, we, we, there is a limit on splashy versus not splashy, right? Like if you're talking Bob Stoops, 
Yeah, yeah. If, if Bill Belichick's going to come to Knoxville, then you, you make a splashy hire. I mm-hmm. get it. But that's not the situation Tennessee's in right now. They, they, now, Stoops is interesting. They were also, and people forget this, basically one night of sleep for Chip Kelly away from landing Dan Mullen. If Chip Kelly had just thought about the UCLA job one more night, Dan Mullen would have been the head coach of Tennessee, and we would not be having a Philip Fulmer discussion about being the AD. John Curry would still be the AD, and Tennessee would have a better football program. But we don't, I don't have any faith in the people making decisions, the people that are influencers, right? The boosters, whether it's those guys, whether it's the president, whether it's Philip Fulmer, I, I just don't, I so don't have do any faith you, yet. So do you think behind the scenes, and I'm just throwing this out here, behind the scenes, Philip Fulmer is orchestrating this whole thing. Would it surprise you? No. I mean, he's technically in charge, so you don't really have yeah. to be behind the scenes. But what I'm I guess. saying is that but. he's... I'm going to get this coach. He's not experienced. People eventually, you know, if he wins, great. But I know he's not going to win. Yeah, but he's on his resume as the hire, though. Like, if if you're Fulmer. Now, if he just, if the boosters are the one who picked Pruitt, because we know mm-hmm. Charlie Anderson wanted, he's a big booster. We know he wanted uh, Jeremy Pruitt. Um, the Haslam's, you know, Peyton Manning signed off on Greg Schiano, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So, like, we, we know that certain people wanted certain certain people, right? They all, everyone wanted Fulmer. Oh, it feels great to have Fulmer back. Mm-hmm. No experience hiring anybody or running a multi-million dollar corporation. He has no experience of doing that at all. It's why you end up with Jeremy Pruitt. Again, he could work out mm-hmm. so far, not so much, but he could he could work out. He could be a great coach. We don't know. I think you need to give him time. Um, the, the problem I have is when it comes time to make a decision, who is in that room mm-hmm. and what are they saying? And why would any Tennessee fan... Have just because he's he coached the championship team in '98 and he sounds like he's from Tennessee, like that. That's the reason we trust him to make the decision. No, this is big business here. Like, look, look who Alabama hires as their athletic director. They go to Arizona and hire a guy who has nothing to do with the program. They hire Greg Byrne. He's a genius, right? Like, like these these ads. Like, you go get somebody who knows what they're doing. And and right now we don't know if Fulmer knows what he's doing. He hired a women's basketball coach who got fired from NC State. But Tennessee took the same approach with their AD that Wisconsin did, right? With Barry Alvarez? Goes from head coach to the AD? Like, why is that always the transition? Even in it's high school sports. It hasn't. It's been very rare. Uh, Ray, like, Ray Tanner at South Carolina was the famous mm-hmm. baseball coach who took over. It used to be the way it always went, right? In the 80s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you always hired the coach to be the AD. But then... The, the product and the thing changed. It's no, you're no longer just running a football team. You're running a, a $200 million business. And when the money changed, that's when the hiring changed. And we stopped hiring the former football coach to be the AD. Because you need more now. You need business savvy. You need ex- corporate America experience to, to be that role. And, and again, the thing we don't ever see with hiring coaches, and I'll go to Mike Vrabel on this, these ADs get paid big money, general managers get paid big money in the NFL to sit down with someone in a private room and have a thorough job interview. Mm-hmm. Fans see your rec- resume on the field. They see how you can recruit. They see all this other stuff. They don't see how you talk to people, how you interview, the person you are. Like th- That's how you make hires in any walk of life, and, and you have to be good at that skill too. Because you have to interview, and you have to decide whether or not that guy's going to lead your program or not. A question for both of you when we come back on Philip Fulmer. It's Morning Drive, ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome back in. It is Morning Drive, 918 here on this Tuesday edition of the show. So we were just discussing Adam Rittenberg's piece for ESPN 
five Power 5 coaches on the hot seat this year, and he has Jeremy Pruitt along with Willie Tagger, Clay Helton, and Lovey Smith. Let me ask you this question about Philip Fulmer, because this was his guy. Handpicked Jeremy Pruitt. That's his boy. You know, he's a ball coach. He sounds like us. He's got success in the SEC at multiple stops. All right. This is my dude. Do you think Philip Fulmer, is, his ego is so big that he will give Pruitt all the time he needs, <laughs> two years, three years, four years, the duration of a contract, simply to avoid admitting it was a failure and firing him prematurely? Hmm. Or quicker than most people would expect? I, I, I want to believe, like I've said about other coaches, um, give them a recruiting cycle. Give them one recruiting cycle, which is four years. Give them four years to show some improvement in a program. Then after that, you can make a decision. If the program hasn't improved, then you go a different route. If it has improved, okay, then you continue to move. Um, So I don't think he will hold on too long. I think he will. All depends on how next how this season ends and how next season begins. I think he's going to give him four years um, to show uh, some improvement. Four, four. Oh, he wants to give him four years. To three. Show some imp- I think you give him three. Listen, I think you're right that he will be patient. Um, now we look at. Let's compare this to John Robinson. And we praise John Robinson when he drafts a player in the second round and then two years later cuts bait, and admits his mistake. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it it's different with a draft pick because you have. 50 other personnel moves mm-hmm. that you make. It's very different with the singular most important thing that you do as an athletic director is hire a football coach. It is the number one job priority is get your football program successful and hire the right person to lead that program. My, my problem is, is I, I think it's a fair question, Nick. Obviously, every, especially Philip Fulmer, they all have egos. All the people that run these, these big, big programs have egos. The coaches have egos. The ADs have egos. And so admitting that you are dead wrong is in, 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 it, it puts you at risk, right? Because all the fans are going to go, why'd you do that? Why'd you screw it up? I also wouldn't put it past the boosters who at times can act out of their minds um, with sort of power-hungry decision-making donations, for lack of a better phrase. Like they, they, You could withhold money to help renovate Neyland Stadium if you don't believe that Jeremy Pruitt should still be the coach, for example. That, that happens everywhere in college football. So at some point, the, the, it comes home to roost, and you've got to pull the trigger because the boosters have decided this guy's no longer our guy. That, that's sort of true everywhere. Um, are you willing to hold those guys off? Can you hold those guys off mm-hmm. long enough to let Jeremy Pruitt work what he needs to do? Uh, you know, What you really want if you're a Tennessee fan is you want it to be obvious, right? Mm-hmm. You want it to be obvious. Either at the end of this year, they've won five games and we've sh- they've seen huge progress and they know Jeremy Pruitt's their guy moving forward, or they're so bad that you know next year he's on the hot seat and if they're bad again, he's fired. It, you want it to be an easy decision one way or the other if you're a Tennessee fan. It's just not. Well, if he says Fulmer, it's 100% so. better than it was last year. Right. That's what he said. Uh, he also said it was yeah. the Titanic, yeah. too. So I don't think he understands where that story goes at the end. To the bottom of the ocean. Well, but one of the things uh, that we course on the Titanic, w- we always give credit for, and I think really it kind of disarms angry fans to, to some extent, is like a guy like John Robinson. When John Robinson makes a mistake on a personnel move, what does he do? Cuts ties. Mm-hmm. Moves on from him. Dodd. Taewon Taylor. Luke Falk. Whoever it is. When he whiffs... 
over the last two years, at least since I've been here in Nashville, he moves on from them. And we, we give him a little bit of credit. Yeah, you still made the mistake, but you acknowledged it. You cut bait. Does that apply to Jeremy Pruitt with Philip Fulmer? No, and that's, that's what I just said. I, I don't, well, that's different. I, I, you're, you're an NFL GM. You make 50 personnel decisions a year, maybe 60, maybe 70, if you count cutting 40 guys, right? Mm-hmm. That's 40 different guys you're cutting. Signing 10 practice squad guys, free agents, draft picks, contract extensions, you know, on and on and on. Hiring strength and conditioning staff, you know, blah, 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 blah. A, a draft pick is a big thing. It's one of the more important things you do, but it ain't to the level of hiring a football coach at, at a power SEC program where the only thing that you do that matters, number one, I'm not suggesting that hiring, you know, hiring Kelly Harper wasn't an important thing. The Lady Vols matter. They're important, and hiring the, a good coach for them matters. Giving Rick Barnes an extension is a good thing, and Philip Fulmer gets credit for that. Didn't hire him, but gets credit for giving him the extension. The, the number one way you are evaluated as an athletic director at a power program in college football is who you hire to run your football program. So it's, it's, it's just a little different. I agree that we should give credit to him if he decides, hey, I was wrong. I shouldn't have hired this guy. I need to do better and hire a better coach. I'd give him credit, but then I'd also say, okay, well, this is your last crack at it then because you don't get a third chance if you screw up two of them. Well, I mean, the, the, the big difference is – when you draft a guy second round and he ends up after two years being a bust, you're not on the hook anymore. You just release him and maybe it's a little dead money that you gotta, you know, put toward the salary cap, but it's not anything big. You move you get rid of him, you move him on you move on. And it doesn't hamper you hamper you from signing another guy or drafting another guy. Well, in this case, if you fire the head coach, you're on the hook for a salary. You got to pay him. Well, that's 100% true. You know, so yeah. it ain't just, it's not just, oh, I'm going to get rid of you. I admit my mis- my mistake. I'm getting rid of you and we'll move on. No. And you're paying, by the way, and you're paying the richest intern in the history of Alabama exactly. football right now still. So, so. N- not only would it be a colossal failure. But money's no issue for Tennessee. But still, it's like it's like to pay there's somebody for not 15, working. A fifteen million dollar buyout would affect Tennessee's bottom line for sure. Now, would it? You know, to your point, does it destroy the university? Yeah, no, no, it doesn't. But it, it's not a small thing. But, if you have to raise that money it, from it, boosters. You're going to have to get that money somehow. But doesn't it? Feel, isn't it similar to like hearing an NFL owner cry about having public tax dollars for their stadium? Oh, I don't care. <laughs> like I, I don't. Like, yeah, I personally don't care if it, if they're paying. Six or seven or eight buyouts. I don't care yeah. at all. It doesn't. It's not. It's it's, it's silly money. It's like paying Marcus twenty five million dollars a year. It's not my money. I don't care. Like it's, paying what you want. It's, it's the salary. Do we think cap. it's worth it? Probably. I don't know. We, but you're paying what you right, want. Right. We can have that discussion. But there is there is a you know to your point, Nick. There is some. It's some some funny money, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not every, It's not your money. The difference is is when you're asking for boosters' money to do it. Yeah. Th- that's that's when it actually is the fans' money. If you're asking for boosters to spend twelve million dollars to fire the entire coaching staff, you know you, you might have to raise that money from from the actual fans. Now, are those guys billionaires? Some of them. Yeah. So they've got they've got a couple million lying around if they if they really wanted to get a coach fired. Hell, Auburn was talking about firing Gus Malzahn last year with like a thirty something million dollar buyout or whatever that number was. You must really hate a guy <laughs> to, to spend thirty million dollars to for him not to be your head coach. Also, another reason why they probably don't move on Jeremy Pruitt this year, and again, another reason why I would say you shouldn't, you go through one more offseason, let him build a team one more year, give him another chance, 
and if midway through year three there is no progress and the buyout has gone down significantly, you are in a much more conducive situation to move on a coach. And, oh, by the way, Will Healy will have a second year at Charlotte to prove that he's really the guy. Coming up next, we know he's the guy because he joins us each and every Tuesday at 9.30. Our buddy Chris Mason, Preds TV color analyst, he'll join us after this here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. You know, firing a coach is a big equation, right? It's a buyout. It's who you're going to go get. Wins and losses. It's just a big equation. I've got another equation for you that you're really going to like, and it all adds up to big savings. Let's do the math. Now you can get Xfinity Internet and Xfinity Mobile each for $30 a month. That equals awesome Wi-Fi from America's best internet provider and the best LTE on the go. It's the ultimate coverage solution. It's all in the numbers. You can save up to $800 a year on your wireless bill with Xfinity Mobile. And until October 27th, you could even get a $250 cash back when you purchase an eligible smartphone. It's basically the perfect equation. Xfinity makes savings simple, easy, and awesome. Don't miss out on Xfinity Internet and Mobile. Each for $30 a month, you'll get internet now with up to 100 megabits download speeds for 12 months with a one-year agreement. And Xfinity Mobile, with three gigs of shared wireless data, go to Xfinity.com slash save big. That's Xfinity.com slash save big. Call 1-800-XFINITY or visit an Xfinity store today. Requires EcoBill and AutoPay. Internet internet offer ends 10-27-19. New performance internet customers only. Equipment taxes and fees extra and subject to change after agreement term. Regular rate supply. Mobile savings compares. To Verizon and AT&T plans, actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. All right, welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Nick Braden, D-Mace, and Marquise with you here on this Tuesday. The big finish coming up in just about 15 minutes. But right now, we begin our weekly appearances with the great Chris Mason, Preds TV analyst, and his weekly appearance on Morning Drive is driven by Freeland Chevrolet. C-Mace, happy Tuesday, sir. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys doing? We're doing excellent. Good to have you back in the fold. Looking forward to it each and every week. Uh, one of the things we discussed about an hour and a half ago was Adam Vingan's latest in The Athletic, where he had eight sizzling and not-so-sizzling takes on the upcoming season for the Preds. I'll hit you with one right out of the gate. He said that he believes there will be a 40-goal scorer for the first time in franchise history. Are you buying that this year? And if so, which player is most likely to get 40 goals? Well, I actually am, and I read that article. He's he's got uh, he puts a lot of good stuff out on the athletic, and I, I really I, most of his takes, you know, I could agree with. There's a couple, you know, speculatory ones about uh, tourists and some other guys like that that you know yet to be determined. But I, I definitely think, um, barring health, any health issues, which uh, Phillips had a couple injuries the last couple of years, Victor Arvidsson too, and and those are the guys, the two guys that I pick. I mean, it's just a matter of time before. Forsberg hits 40, you know, Arvidsson, he had the couple seasons with a bunch of goals and everybody wondered if he could continue to do it. Well, last year he led the league in uh, goals per game, five on five, and that was with, you know, the worst power play in the league, and he missed 20-some-odd games. So he, he could have, the power play was half decent. <clears throat> last year he probably would have ended up with 40 last season. So I, I think there's no reason why one of those guys couldn't uh, eclipse that 40-goal marker. I, I know he he talked about tourists in there, and you just alluded to it. And, and certainly, I think a re, I guess it would I guess it wouldn't be a regression to the mean; it'd be a progression to the mean that, that he's just too good of a player not to be better than what he was last year. But but let me ask you sort of a broader question about the needs for the Predators. You know, Kyle Turris is a really skilled player who can shoot the puck. That's why they moved him to the wing. Does this team still have a need for a 
Brian Boyleish type net front presence? Do they? Do, do I know Austin Watson can do it. You know, there's a lot of Kyle Turris, Mikael Granlin. Like they, they all kind of have a similar vibe. Do, do do they still have that need as a as a roster? I I don't I don't I think so. You know, it's the, the more that you know this this game changes every year, and, and they're getting away from. Uh, not necessarily that type of play because that's important, but just the the proto- prototypical types of players. I, I really do that believe that your team has to have that mentality, and I think they do have a lot of guys. I think Matt Duchesne um, can be one of the, those guys, particularly on the power play. He did a, an excellent job in Columbus. Um, they put him net front. He's also very capable of playing the half wall, but. Um, you know, you saw a couple plays in the preseason where he'd be in front of the net, and then he just pops out to the side when Johansson gets it. He he feeds it down to uh, you know Duchesne and Duchesne out to Arvidsson. I think that's such a great play, but you have to have a guy that's able to do both. So the guy that's in front of the net, he can recognize when to pop to the side, open up, and then hit you know that slot guy. And and you know you need a lot of skill and, and timing and just hockey IQ to do that. So I think they have enough guys. Benino's good at net front. Colton Sissons is. You know, obviously, willing to go there, but um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you have to have the mentality as a team to do it. You know, you, and a lot of times it does have. Uh, you know, it helps having the Brian Boyles that um, are just going to go there. But I think you know, out of necessity now, um, you know, you're going to have to get some guys out of their comfort zone. But that's definitely something that is a key to any team's success, especially if you're playing against the big boys and you want to have success in the Stanley Cup. You have to have the guys in your ro- roster willing to do that. Now, see, Mace, we we saw some life this um, preseason with the with the power play. Um, and, and maybe it's because, um, you know, they've changed some things around. I don't know, but whatever they're doing, it seems to be, um, working. Um, they've moved Kyle Turris. He's playing the wing now. Um, what did you, what have you seen from him in particular during this preseason that gives you, gives you hope that he will be back to that player he was when he first got here? Well, I think, you know, for me, I think actually the I think from the power play and the uh, and Kyle Turris are very similar in the preseason. What I saw, it feels like there's this massive weight lifted off uh, the guys on the power play. It's a fresh start. Uh, they're going out there loose and they're excited and you, they're hungry to get the puck and you know new ideas and it's a it's a new season. So so that weight, I think I just felt like at, by the end of the year, Turris. And the the guys, whoever went on the power play, didn't affect them five on five. But every time they go on the power play, it just seemed like there was just just self doubt. It's just you know split second hesitation that you know there's a lane there, and they say, well, should I pass it? Should I should I not pass it? By the time you you know you make your decision, it's it, it's too late. It's over with. So I feel like the guys are just maybe you know excited. There's it's a it's a fresh start, new beginning type of thing. They made some good moves in the off season. Um, you know, Kyle Turris, you know, maybe he's not going to play center, which he's played his whole career, but he gets an opportunity to play on that top line if he can figure it out on the wing. And I thought he started to look really good um, as the preseason went on, making plays and, you know, using the skills that you talked about, DMA said he has, that, you know, this all just didn't really come to fruition last year. So I just think just a new season, new adventure and that type of thing, it's everyone's full of hope. So, um, but, you know, preseason's preseason. It is what it is. But, uh, you know, I don't think in terms of what 
we were looking for as you know fans and analysts and all this type of stuff they could have had a better preseason mace let's look at this division because this is a predators team that had a ton of injuries last year and still was able to get to 100 points the blues win the stanley cup with just an unbelievable second half of the calendar season and the experts in vegas love the colorado avalanche this year top to bottom is this now the best division depth wise and talent wise in the nhl oh i i say i really think it is i mean like it, it went down to the wire to the last game of the entire season. Three team, uh, three teams could have won the division on the last day. So it, it's and it's it, you know there might be four. It's you know obviously they play each other, but there's I, I don't quite think Colorado is quite there yet. That that's just me. I think Dallas really improved. It. They they had a couple really uh, nice moves in the off season with Pavelski and. And Corey Perry, who everyone loves here, but um, I think you know with that, and and then their younger defensive core, Haskinen and Klingberg, and all these guys, I think that they're uh, they're a team that's uh, you know going to fight for that spot. And then St. Louis, you know, you obviously can't uh, discount anything the defending Stanley Cup champions did. So I, I think it's going to be uh, another dogfight. And and to me, I, I don't see a, a stronger division top to bottom. Mace, good stuff as always. We will talk again next Tuesday. Good to have you back in, and we'll see you soon. Awesome, thank you guys. Hey, hey, you hey C Mays. Yo, uh, what are you? What are you gonna wear for the first game? What, what's going to be? On the I, got, yeah. I got a tough one because I'm, I've got something in the works that uh, uh-huh. it's not ready uh-huh. yet, but it's gonna be. <laughs> yeah, this is the first custom one I done. It's it's, uh-huh. it's, it's gonna be. Yeah, it's. I, I can't give anything away, but um, <laughs> it's, I'll let you know, D Mays, because I know you. You're up on the style game. Okay. Too, well, well, so. hey. What, what you, Nick and I are not exactly chop, chopped liver here, C Mays. Come on, oh, you guys, hey, you right. got, we got to give you guys props. You guys, exactly. you guys, got the, no, we're, you guys, you guys represent. Definitely. We're definitely not as cool as D Mays. It's fine, actually. Um, here's the no question: cool Will will the wardrobe on Thursday night for the opener also? Would you be able to wear that for Halloween? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I was I was weighing. Uh, Skillsy and I are Wayne and Garth for Halloween, so I don't know. Depending on, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. Unless I'm dressing up as uh, you know Wayne Campbell from Wayne's World, I don't. I don't know if I can wear that opening night. Just outdo <laughs> Willie, and that's not hard to do. So. Oh, oh, yeah. oh yeah. He's gonna up his game. He said this year. Oh, I, got, I see it when I believe it. Okay, so this is what. So see, I know we gotta let you go, Mace, but Derek says this to Willie all the time about the hair. Yeah, you, you gotta, you know what, or get off the pot. Does he need to go straight razor all the way and get rid of all of it? Or are you okay with what he's got right now on the top? Guys, I, I, I'm, I'm with D Mace. I think it's like full commitment. You can have yeah. like a little, <laughs> like little stubble if you buzz it all the way down. If you just have to have a little, little bit, but you can't let it go any longer than, you know, stubble. As far <laughs> exactly. As there he is. Good stuff. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Okay. Chris <laughs> Mason joining us, and he is driven by Freeland Chevrolet. Look, oh, he's the best, man. When, when D Mace, you and I have the look. Yeah. This is a day and a half without a shave. So I'm going to go home and shave it today. Yeah, mine's is about a day and a half, too. I got to. Two days is it. Growing. Wait, wait, let me see the sides over there. Take the head. Take it's the head. Oh, you do? Yeah. I've growing. never seen you with actual yeah. stubble before. Yeah, yeah man. Got to cut it off. Yep. Looks better than Willie. Yeah. Ooh. Definitely. I'm, not, I'm just. You Ooh. said it, Derek. No, we're you, taking shots at Willie. You always no. say to Willie. <laughs> You, you, dude, what, all, what are you man. doing? You get you're in between. You either yeah. need to go all the way or not all the way. And I never really had a problem with it, but you, yeah, just cut it off. Willie. You guys have always said that, Willie. It's time. <laughs> well, you'll have to cross paths with Willie in the hallway in about twenty minutes. <laughs> not me. <laughs> all right, big finish coming up next. We've had a big show. Big show. And now it's time for a big finish on Morning Drive.
That is correct, voiceover dude. It's time for the big finish. We do it each and every day at 945 here on Morning Drive, where we give you the Morning Drive Daily Rewind. And if we have time, what we learned today, as well as what is on tap for tonight in Braden Gall, the big finish is brought to you by the good people at Nashville SC by inaugural MLS season tickets for the soccer club coming up next year at NashvilleSC.com, the Nashville Soccer Club. In the playoffs, NashvilleSC.com for your season tickets. All right, Marquise Munson, a.k.a. Dak Prescott. By the way, guys, so I think we can publicly say it. He does look like Dak, Dak Prescott. Yeah, he does. When he gets the fade around the sides and the beard edged up, he's very Dakish. Dakish. That's what you should go on following. That should be our... Uh, but my game knows how to close out, though, so... I'm not a close-out guy. Hasn't the dude won, like, yeah. like 70% of his stars? Uh, not, not but are Ezekiel you, Elliott doesn't year. rush for I was going to say, are you a product of your surroundings? Do you need a good O-line and a good running back and a number one receiver, or can you win games on your own? I won some games at Mississippi State with Dan Mullen. What, what about, well, what about the first three years without Amari Cooper? Exactly. When they won, like, th- didn't they go 13-3 and three without Amari Cooper one time? Yeah. Come on, man. Give him his props. Yeah, man. Dak's a pretty good player. Come exactly, on. Man. Still People have... poo-poo on Dak Why you hate Dak? Why you hate Mississippi State so my, much, man? I still got my doubts on Dak. Wow. No, it's not a Mississippi State thing. It's a, it's a Philadelphia Eagle never want to give a Cowboy credit thing. Ah, uh, okay. Stinking so cockroaches. Double, exactly. It's a double see what it is. It's okay. the only flaw Chase McCabe has, being a Cowboy fan. <laughs> All right, let's get to the rewind. And we welcome you into a Tuesday edition of Morning Drive, off and running live here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Boys, happy Tuesday, as the kiddies would say. What to do? You like that, Mace? I knew you did. I saw your face. Sorry. Yeah, he, he can't even say anything. No. Uh, I'll <laughs> He's like, damn, Nick's white. Hello, good morning, and welcome to the hottest <laughs> October in the history of your life. Yesterday, 96 degrees set a record for September 30th, hottest it's ever been this late in the year. Don't worry, folks, we're going to break that record today. Personally, I was a fan of 98 degrees, but that was in the late 90s, and the boy bands were taking over, and frosted tips were a thing. Cliche. It was. Then he married Jessica Simpson, and his life went to hell. Yeah. So, what's, what's the, so what's the lesson there? Yeah, uh, don't marry Jessica. Don't Simpson. marry celebrity women. I don't know. I thought his life was pretty cool. They had a show that ran for a couple of years. He's one of those guys that you if, know? He, if he did it right, like he had like the, you, if he did it right and kept his and did it was smart with his money, he he made all he needed to in like an eight year, ten year period of time, right? Yeah. Like being an NFL fa- player, right? She had the famous line. I didn't know it was chicken in the seed. Wasn't that the line? No, something about chicken in the seed. Are buffalo wings from Buffalo? No, oh, she didn't say that. that. Is that she really said something about. Yeah. She said something about Wait, chicken yeah. of the sea. So you used to watch was... the Newlywed Show <laughs> with <laughs> Jessica Simpson. Yeah. And I did too. Yeah. We're going to get the email from management later today. Derek has took, taken a job with the E Channel. We wish <laughs> yeah. him the best in his future endeavors. <laughs> D. Mason, Mario Lopez. Ching ching. The first and fifteen. Say what? First and fifteen. It is. Will we have a false start? No, I said first and fifteen. <laughs> You ain't heard that song? It was once said by the man who couldn't. If you haven't heard that Please song, Jake, I have how another. You, you, you have not heard that song? No. Boy, I don't give it. Dude, I, he definitely loses his honorary brother <laughs> yeah. card now. That's two weeks in a row. That's fine. I'll get yeah. it back eventually. First Even and, I know that one. The first and 15. Oh, the big, first and 15th. Yeah. Big lot you. of money, nothing less than a 20. Yeah, I wish I had yeah, a 20 in my pocket. <laughs> I don't have cash. Wife doesn't give it to me. I, I feel very disrespected, Nick. Come on, man. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel disrespected. To be a radio man, boy, you must qualify. Don't get high off your own supply. A radio. 
we welcome in our resident general manager, Floyd Reese. We kind of got some of the things that we've been looking for. You know, he he got as good a protection, and I'm, I'm speaking primarily of the first half, but in the first half, his protection was really good. Uh, and and Marcus was able to do some things that we've been wanting him to do a long time. You know, it was as good as they've been in a long time. I mean, in my world, I was looking at that, that first half, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what, this looks like a real offense. I mean, this looks like an NFL team. I'm a fat, dumb, happy, and entitled. Host, so. <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm all for it. Fat, dumb, and entitled? If you can get by, do it. Would you trade... Fat and dumb. If you were unhappy, if you were super, here's a weird question. If you were super unhappy in life, would you trade being fat and dumb for happiness? Fat, dumb, and happy. There you go. See, it's not that hard. Absolutely. Nah, I wouldn't want to be fat and dumb and happy. So you'll take the unhappy. You'll be unhappy, but you're in shape and you're smart. Yeah, man. That's what he is right now. I'm kind of a TV. I can't be fat and dumb and unhappy. That's just the dumb thing. Yeah, exactly. The dumb thing is what gets me. Hey, you, ever, you ever see Billy Bob from Varsity Blues? You think he ever had a bad day? <laughs> this is the difference between Nick. Nick yeah, is, Nick Billy Bob like, did have it. He almost died. Yeah, and it's true. Exactly. Nick, so he had a bad day. Nick is just like, give me happiness over everything. Exactly. <laughs> I have twin daughters. Give me happiness. It's give been a long time joy. since there's been happiness. <laughs> it is hot in here. D-Mace fanning me off. <laughs> he took his shades off, too. He did. Sometimes your star shines so bright, you just got to wear the shades inside. My future's so bright. What was that song in the eighties? Who sang that? Was it Sting? Not Sting. Um, Corey was, something. Corey Hart. That's there you go. Yeah, I think that's Hart. right. Good work by me. That was, I thought you. that was Sam Bowie for a second. Not Sam yeah. Bowie. Um, Sam Bowie, the guy who yeah, the was taken ahead guy. of Jordan in the draft. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bowie wasn't David Bowie. Not David. David Bowie. David Bowie. Yeah. David Bowie. Yeah. Yeah. Bowie. This is Bowie back to Bowie. Frankly, y'all know how I feel. It's just, I'm, I mean, I would rather sit down and clip my toenails and watch the paint dry than watch baseball. You could do like a Brothers in Baseball segment every week on the show. Yeah. You and Marquise could argue the double switch, the pros and cons of the designated hitter. I think it'd be riveting radio. Derek, can you explain what a double switch is? I'm not even sure. I can. You, you say double, double dip or double switch? Yeah, double no, double, double dip's at 10 o'clock. Come over 10. Like when yeah. you, take a, a sw- you take one switch and you switch it again, that's a double switch. It's a switcheroo. <laughs> All right, let's do some uh, brothers in baseball trivia. Marquise, what does DH stand for? Designated hitter. Okay. Uh, Derek, explain what a shift is. Is when the offensive line. <laughs> can't take him serious. The, the defensive line the glasses He's wearing over. sunglasses right now. I can't take you seriously. No, a shift is when you're in outfield and you got to say you got a guy, a right-handed hitter, left-handed, left-handed hitter, and he, he hits a <laughs> Certain point of the field all yeah, the yeah, time. You're the right. no, you so it. you shift over. Yeah, yeah. You go. so you got it, man. You know a lot. I mean, this guy grew up watching Cecil Fielder. He knows what yeah, he's doing, man. But I didn't. You but love, again. Uh, you big Lou Whitaker guy. Yes, Bob Trammel. There you go. Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> Was he? <laughs> he said Forrest. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. He played third base. Forrest Brothers in baseball right. segment will be riveting. I remember I had to throw a costume together one time. I got invited to a Halloween party, and I had no costume at all. So, obviously, I'm a Raider fan, so I had a Ra- Raiders windbreaker. This was a couple years ago. A Raiders hat, and I just called myself Black Del Rio. He's Chris Mason, the man that wears the logo on his lapel. These boots are made for walking. <laughs> and that's just what they I do. Didn't- 
look, we got to go down a gator, we're going down a swamp, we're going to run the football left, run the football right, and what you got? maybe make Bo Nix not make any mistakes and hopefully down there and beat the gators. What you got, boy? Or damn eagle. Take care. Ah, yes. The morning drive. Daily Rewind. It's a part of your big finish. Each and every day. There you go. Nice little touch there at the end uh, with the uh, Orenthal James Simpson signature sign-off, which will be coming up in again in about 30 seconds. Derek is mm-hmm. right on this. Young people. OJ is making himself famous uh-huh. with young people. They don't know that he killed people, allegedly. Exactly. Take care. He, I love the golf cart. <laughs> he is ter- like everyone under the, a certain age has no idea Gosh, what this how, man has done. Did, All they think he is is a great Twitter follower. How did, how did he manage to do this, man? You think USC is going to consult him when they decide to fire Clay Hilton? <laughs> well, let's not. Let's not. Let's hey, not. Juice, juice, what do you think? Uh, should we go with uh, Urban Meyer? Mm. I was about to say something, but I, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I'm not going to even go there. <laughs> All right, that's it for us. Two, two of my favorite humans, Urban Meyer and O.J. Simpson. Yeah, you guys should do a podcast together. Yeah. I, I think people should look up to both of them. Yeah. That'd be a killer combination. Yeah, be the killer combination. Oh. <laughs> That's it for us. We are done. It's a Tuesday. It's 10 o'clock. It's time to give it off to Darren, Donick, and Chase. They'll take you for the next four hours. Uh, Brayden and I will be off tomorrow. Corey Curtis from News 2 will uh, you know, babysit the receiver for four hours. Yeah, He's going to throw you the ball a lot more than that. He is going to throw you the ball. He's going to get you the ball early. Absolutely. A lot of targets. Arm than y'all. Targets and receptions. Settle, settle down over there. Absolutely. Okay. Makes hey. that TV cheddar, you know? Hey, you got to make the world laugh, okay? Exactly right. And that's what we do. All right. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and uh, we will all be back together on Thursday. In the words of one man on Twitter, take care. <laughs> Bailey DJ Nashville. Laugh and I love you. Take care.